Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. Good morning, teachers. You're listening to episode number nine. Last week on the podcast, we were able to learn about the grid method from Chad at Teach Better. I really enjoyed the thought process that's behind the grid method and how it's versatile enough to work with any existing resource. One of the questions we get asked the most is what to do if students are struggling or how to better reach students or what to do if students are excelling. One of the most powerful things that I've personally used and recommend to teachers is a small group. For those of you who may be listening and regularly break students into small groups, then hopefully you will take away a few ideas and your thought process will be affirmed. For those of you who haven't tried a small group yet, then I hope this episode will help you to think through the process of small groups and that you would consider giving one a try in your classroom. Let's do it. Before we jump into why we should be utilizing small groups, I want to discuss many of the things that we hear or tell ourselves that hold us back from trying and regularly using small groups. First, it can be overwhelming to try something new. Literally, starting anything new can be challenging and requires a lot of upfront energy in the classroom, at home, or just in general. And if this year is really doing you in, then keep listening, but don't put any pressure on yourself to do this new thing tomorrow. You are adding tools to your teacher toolbox, and when the time is right, you will be equipped to implement them. The largest objection to pulling a small group of students and working with them is the question of, what is everyone else doing? And how do I manage them? So yes, if you are focused on your small group of students, then naturally, you want the other students in the class to be diligently working on their assignment. We want to avoid much of the classroom management that will be disruptive to your small group table and other students. So I can totally resonate with those concerns. Another reason we may be less inclined to pull a small group is that we don't feel prepared with the organization required up front. I think there is some validity to this statement, but I also want to challenge the idea that the small group has to be doing something different or revolutionary. We'll discuss the benefits of a small group and let me give you a hint. None of them require a new assignment or a lot of upfront planning from you. This also applies to a potential space issue. You don't need a dedicated table, though it's nice. You can easily group desks together so you don't let these things like organization and space be an obstacle. The last one that I think can be really overwhelming is the idea that everyone needs to be pulled into a small group for an equal amount of time and that there just aren't enough minutes in the class period. And I agree, you would be hard pressed to find a teacher who says they have enough time, right? But I do want to counter this idea that small groups are a logistical nightmare for middle school teachers with 150 students. We are going to discuss taking small steps and making it easy for you because the famous saying of done is better than perfect also applies to small groups. So now we've kind of talked about those frequent barriers to small groups and we've gotten that out of the way. Let's chat about the benefits and why it may be worth it to release some control and move towards a more student-led approach. First, kids learn at different rates. One of my most beloved principals used to say, all kids learn, some need more time. And I think this is a really important concept to remember. 
Some students need to hear it once, they can immediately apply it, and they internalize it. Other students need to hear it five different ways from different people, experience it tactily, and just need more time to practice. Small groups support this because we are allowing students to move at different paces. Small groups also allow you to better facilitate the learning process because of these different rates. You can quickly provide feedback and extend a lesson in a small group with more challenging questions. You can also provide scaffolding questions, correct misconceptions, and generally provide more immediate feedback to those students who need it. A small group naturally allows you to differentiate and customize instruction to the few students sitting at your table. Thirdly, it allows you to better progress monitor your students. Because your students are sitting right in front of you and you are giving immediate feedback, you are able to see exactly where they are. This is excellent progress monitoring and simply has to be documented because really, you can't remember it all. And the last point that I wanna share is that the best part about utilizing small groups is that you can catch mistakes and misconceptions before the student practices incorrectly. I think this is really key for students. Imagine working on something only to realize that you've done it all wrong or followed the wrong process. I can think of a lot of examples when it comes to cooking and baking. I have literally made it all the way down to the bottom of the recipe only to realize that dinner is gonna need to sit for a while or the cookies I really needed today need to sit overnight to chill. Students in our classroom do this all the time and that is defeating. But with the use of a small group, we can provide that immediate feedback and correct those misconceptions before they have the opportunity to practice wrong. I have mentioned this many times on the podcast, but in episode number two, I go into detail about how our brain hates to do hard things. So my third point and just how to get started with small groups is to keep it simple and streamlined. We know that small groups are great for instruction, they're great for kids, and they can be simple. We just can't overcomplicate it, right? Now, if you're a small group whiz, you may have a much more advanced system, which I would love to hear about. But for the purpose of this episode, I'm just gonna focus on getting started. So we can streamline small groups in a lot of ways. The biggest is not to feel this need or responsibility to create a new assignment or new work for your small group. Now, one day there might come a time when you can have a totally different set of activities for your small group, but don't let that be a barrier to trying them out. You can use the same practice and materials as the rest of the class. You're going to differentiate at your small group with manipulatives, your line of questioning, and the strategies that you present. So when we're planning, we wanna consider who we're going to pull, what skills they're gonna be working on, and then you wanna gather your materials. These might include models or manipulatives if those apply, but most definitely it has to include a timer. This is the only way that you'll stay on track And in fact, many teachers recommend just projecting a big timer up on the screen so that the entire class sees it and is accountable to it. You also want your small group area to be a place that students wanna go. So the goal is that they see the value of the small group and it becomes a part of the routine of your classroom. You can do this in a few simple ways, mostly gathering and using dry erase markers and whiteboards instead of paper and pencil, writing on the tables or using scented markers, something that's a little fun and different. I love to give out stickers and a lot of praise and encouragement. So those are some other materials you might wanna gather. And then the last thing that you really can keep simple is your documentation. 
it can be as simple as a binder with pages that outline who was in the small group and what skills you worked on. If you're a middle school math teacher, then you may be interested in our small group planning pack. It's in our shop and they're just ready to go pages that outline the different standards and you can easily document when you met and what progress was made. If you're listening and you really haven't tried pulling a small group before, then the end of the year is actually a great time to give it a try. I loved using the end of the year to experiment with new ideas because it's low risk and I was able to work out a lot of kinks for the next year. So by the time this airs, it'll be mid-April and state testing will be wrapping up in the next few weeks. So it's a great time to give small groups a try. Here are a few ideas to consider. So think through your expectations and communicate them clearly, but don't make a huge deal out of it since it's just an experiment. Don't overcomplicate things. You don't have to have a different assignment. You can pull a small group and work through the same assignment that your other students have. Set realistic expectations by starting with one small group in a class period. Remember, we talked about how there's never enough time. So keep those expectations low so that you can try it with one group of students and then evaluate and make changes. Lastly, keep in mind the very valuable phrase, done is better than perfect. If you are starting out, then pat yourself on the back for trying something new and better meeting the needs of your students. Take just a few minutes to reflect at the end of the day and decide if there are any necessary adjustments you can make to improve. Our Maneuvering the Middle blog has so many posts that outline some of the specific things you can do at the small group table, as well as organizational materials for your small group and progress monitoring. So be sure to check out our show notes at maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode nine. So as a quick recap, small groups are an excellent way to differentiate your instruction, to provide more timely feedback, and to meet the various needs in your classroom. They also don't have to be overly complicated. You can start small and tweak the process as you go. Thanks for listening. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please take a minute to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're tuning in. Our Maneuvering the Middle team is loving the new format, and we are so hopeful that these ideas can spur you on as you do the good work in your classroom. Your downloads, ratings, and general enthusiasm help keep us going. For all of the links and freebies and resources mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com episode nine. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.